Wow, what a Father's Day. That video and, and George. Then the, the family came up. That was beautiful. Isn't that amazing? What a great time to be able to just uh, focus in on our dads and granddads and looking forward to spending some time today with our family as well. So let's, um, I wanted to share with you, uh, I, my heart is that I could be down in Venezuela celebrating in Spanish with our, our fathers down there, building them up, encouraging them up. And um, I'm torn many times as a missionary. My body is physically here, but my heart and my spirit sometimes are down there. You know, because I just love the folks, and we've seen people grow in the Lord, and it's just amazing. So pray for me as I preach, but also that we could pray for the church in Venezuela as they're celebrating Father's Day today as well. So um, I want to uh, get right into our message today, uh, God's design for marriage. Welcome, everybody. So good to have visitors here today. God's design for marriage. We're going to go looking into the text of 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 through 7. And we're going to look into that. And we're going to, I want to show you a picture here, some of our folks down in Venezuela. Um, we were in a, um, we were just in Venezuela two weeks ago. And we were celebrating with the church, working, doing some things there. And I was invited to an impromptu, uh, a spontaneous kind of uh, marriage session. And there's the couple right there on the left. That's Juan with the white hair and Carmen. They've been married for 54 years. And they invited us into this impromptu with, if you can see Renee and Consuelo, they're at the end. They're the leaders of that session, premarital session for Christian and Damaris. They're gonna, they plan on getting married in August. So they said, would you like to come? And I said, yeah, I'd love to come hear what Juan and Carmen have to say about marriage. I hadn't heard their story, all the details involved in being married for 54 years. So they started sharing their hearts, very intriguing time, uh, very uh, just incredible time to hear Juan open up his heart and what God was doing in his life and, um, you know, after he became a Christian. And so this was something, an, an important word that came out when they started sharing was learning how to forgive each other and learning how to listen to each other. Those two words have a lot to do with the word we're going to touch on today, which is submission. The word submitting to each other, learning to work together in the marriage. Carmen, as you can see there on the left, she, um, she learned to submit to Christ even though her husband wasn't a believer for many years. And so I learned about her trust in Christ and her personal walk in Christ that impacted his life to the point where he eventually became a believer. So with that story said, I want to pray and I want us to just get focused in into these seven verses and just see what God has for us this morning. Amen. So Father, thank you for this beautiful church. Thank you for the body of Christ, Lord. Thank you for the privilege of being able to be a part of the body of Christ. What a joy it is. You're the head, and we are the members of your body. 
Thank you for this opportunity and sharing your word. May you lead us and direct us during these minutes. Thank you for the opportunity to lift you up, raise you high, recognize your headship in our lives. Your name we pray. Amen. Three points. True submission to Christ is the, is the New Testament example. That's our first point. We'll look at that. Number two, true submission is watching Abraham humble himself before God. It's number two. And number three, true submission is a key or the key in a husband's role towards his wife. So let's look at the, the big idea today. Hopefully, um, I brought my Bible, by the way. I hope you brought yours. Usually, I don't bring mine. Uh, for, but for preaching, I, um, I brought it. And usually, I'm on the phone, like most of us, right? Writing the notes there. But let's look at our verse. Let's look at our big idea. If you could uh, flip that slide. Yeah, the big idea today. Truth submission is from the heart and not just an outward duty. And, and that's what I really want to hopefully focus on today, as we heard last week, two weeks ago from Pastor Greg, he explained how the bad Roman Empire that persecuted and killed the Christians during Nero's day, um, they were asked by Peter to submit to that authority. We heard that. And then last week from Will, we heard him break down for us uh, the, uh, the importance of our hearts Heart's attitude to honor the unjust bosses that, that possibly we've worked for. Some of us, at least, for those that have had that. And today, I want to bring us right into the marriage context, uh, continuing in the expositional preaching of 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. But before addressing the wife and husband point, I want to go into this first point of true submission to Christ is the New Testament model. And, and we want to uh, read these verses. So go ahead and can you read some of those verses? No, back up. Let's read the first. Yeah, right there. Yeah. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their lives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Verse 7, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. So looking at this first point, the overarching point that I want to share with us today is this. True submission to Christ is the New Testament model. And then this, Philippians 2, 
As you can see here, Philippians 2, 6, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Jesus Christ emptied himself. Kenosis is the word in the Greek. He emptied himself of the privilege of being the son of God from heaven. He emptied himself, became a man, fully man, fully God, and he left his privileges in heaven so that he could function as a man here. Having the ability with his deity to function as the son of God, he chose not to. And he came and he uh, served us so that we could understand more what God was about. He revealed God to us in a human way that we could understand. So it was a God-sized plan to be fulfilled by the Son, to die on the cross for the sins of mankind once and for all as we sung this morning as we sang this morning, beautiful singing. And so we saw here that Christ submitted to the Father's plan. He came to the earth and submitted to the Father's plan, laid aside his glory and power, and said to the Father, not my will, but yours be done. He became an example for us in the New Testament. I see Christ as the overarching head of our families, an example as a leader to follow. Now, husbands, we have an example to follow in the New Testament. Godly leadership produces the desire to follow and submit from the wife. I see the wife's role as working hand in hand with the husband when you consider that true submission is to follow in the steps of Christ. My testimony, I never had a father. I never grew up with a father. Never knew a father in my house. My mom was a single lady, immigrant lady from Colombia, and she's an incredible example to me of holding the household together. I was a latchkey kid in the city of Baltimore. I got saved, Towson State University, right before a soccer game led to the Lord, and I was introduced to the church. In the church, men, I saw men and I heard them speak about the Bible. Never read the Bible, never had a Bible, never knew what a Bible was, never understood from Genesis to Revelation. They explained it to me, they revealed it to me, but more than giving me the theology, they lived it out before me. And they became an example of godly men with their wives. That drew me. That, was an, that, that attracted me to them to understand how do they work together in this godly relationship called the marriage. I had never seen one. Never had a husband or a man in the household growing up. And I got to see that. And that was a testimony of men sharing their hearts about the Bible, how the Bible helped them to become godly men and how they were able to make decisions before the Lord. And I want to thank the pastors here at Grace Community Church during the pandemic when they taught on 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 
And they taught us in 1 Corinthians, the whole book of 1 Corinthians, but first, uh, chapter 11, verse 3, they talked about God's design for Christ to be the head, to lead man, and then the women to submit to man. And there was a design there. I'd never heard of a design, never seen a design, never, I had never thought there was a design. And God brought that design for me, it brought it into the church, the local church. I got to see it and hear it. And I understood it over the years, little by little. The Son of God is equal to the Father in essence, but submits to him in 1 Corinthians 15, 28, revealing a different role in the Godhead. This is a beautiful picture of both the husband and wife being God's image bearers from Genesis 1, verse 27. Each one is important in the roles as, as they are to fulfill it. The address from Peter is not to women in general, but to wives toward their husbands, specifically addressing wives with unbelieving husbands. And this was the case with Carmen. Carmen and Juan, the first picture I showed you. And you can see here in this, uh, these first two verses that Carmen is an example of understanding her submission to Christ even though her husband was an unbelieving person. She submitted to, God, to Jesus Christ overarching headship, leadership. She dealt with his alcoholic addiction for 30 of the 54 years that they've been married. And that was what the session was about. They gave us this insight into their lives. In an hour and a half, we got to hear what it was like for 30 years having to deal with his addictions. Only the last seven years was he, was he, did he believe in Christ and become a believer and an example to other men as he today is the leader of the addiction program in our neighborhood. Many of the people that come into our churches, we lead them to, to Juan, and Juan helps them out in their addictions, be it drugs or alcohol. Once again, God's redemption story. But it began with the women, Carmen, submitting to Christ, her leader, her headship, while her husband wasn't a believer. Incredible insight. That night, one of the folks asked Carmen, how did you find the strength to keep your marriage together? She said, it wasn't easy, but I, le but I learned to forgive and love Juan with Christ's heart. 1 Peter 3, 1 and 2. She won him over, not with her words only, but with her respectful and pure conduct on a daily basis. Incredible example for us. And so I saw how Carmen submitted voluntarily to Juan. And this is Peter's emphasis here in the text, asking the women to submit voluntarily to the unbeliever, in this case, the husband. And then we see how we heard from Will last week with uh, the slaves or the employees submitting voluntarily, possibly to unjust bosses. 1 Peter 2.18. So Carmen followed in the steps of Christ, even enduring unjust treatment in the marriage. She told us, 
Every once in a while, she felt like wringing his neck. That's what she said. Juan today is a beautiful example of Christ as he leads his family and the addiction program. Like he told us, there's no new tricks for us addicts under the sun. He knows it. He can see it. He can see through them. He understands it. And he can walk in their footsteps with them and lead them into the steps of Christ. Carmen, and, Carmen led Juan to Christ while still submitting to the headship of Jesus Christ. And here's an incredible thing that really, really blew me away that night. She saw him who was invisible. And that brings us to our second point, Abraham. True submission is watching Abraham humble himself before God. He was being led into the unknown. This became Sarah's example to follow in, in the verses to come, in verses 5 and 6. He was a godly leader even with his many mistakes. I love the Bible about that. The Bible is so, such an open book, isn't it? It talks about the leader's mistakes for us to learn from that. Everywhere he went, Abraham, he would build altars and worship God. Genesis 12, Genesis 12 and 13 talks about various altars. Every location he went, he would build an altar and worship God. This was his heart. So it says he built an altar to the Lord. And that takes us to Hebrews chapter 11, 8 through 11. And it says there, as you can read it, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And here it is. He went out not knowing where he was going. Now here's a practical question for the wives. How many wives today would, get, would have a husband or follow a husband that doesn't know where he's going? Could you imagine some of the questions that Sarah may be asked? Hey, Abraham, where are we going to eat? Abraham, why are we going there next? Abraham, what about food or supplies for the animals? But she saw something that he saw as well. He saw, she saw him who was invisible. As Abraham submitted to God's leadership, this overflowed into his relationship with Sarah. Sarah submitted to Abraham's leadership as he followed God, no matter where the path took them. That's verse 11. This is key. <clears throat> By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive. And when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Who promised? Who gave the promise? Who's the promiser? It was God himself. Sarah watched Abraham's godly relationship with following God, and she followed his leadership. She saw it. 
It was, it's, uh, they both had their eyes on God, and this was the key to their marriage, the famous uh, triangle paradigm example, where we have the, the, the triangle, and on each side, each couple, the husband and the wife, they each follow God individually, and as they follow God individually and keep their eyes on God, then on the bottom half of that triangle, they come closer together. And so we see this in Sarah. Sarah was able to submit because she saw the Lord leading them, even though she had her own bouts of doubt and laughing sessions about having a baby into the 90s. We see that Sarai, her name Sarai, became, God changed her name to Sarah, which means the princess or the queen linking her into co-rulership with her husband and including her in the covenant promise of Genesis 17, 15, and 16. Incredible. Sarah was experiencing the leadership, the relationship that Abraham had with God, and it was overflowing into their relationship, and that gave her the ability to submit voluntarily. She is an example of faith submitting biblically to her husband without becoming depersonalized. She was known to be a beautiful woman externally, but her inner strength weighed heavier and has become her lasting legacy. That's how we see Sarah today. And this brings us to our last point here. True submission is key for the husband in his leadership towards his wife. And this is the famous one verse for the guys and six verses for the women, right? And so if you can see this verse with me, and also uh, let's read it first before I show you the picture. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives, in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. True submission is the key for the husband in his relationship or leadership to the wife. There's no doubt about that. Look at this picture with me. This was last Saturday. And there they are. There's like 12 couples in our church last Saturday doing a marriage seminar. And we, this is our first marriage seminar since the pandemic. And we've done many of them before, but because of the pandemic, we usually spend the night at a place, Friday night to Saturday, and then we eat dinner and breakfast and lunches together. And this enriches our, our community of couples and so here they are. I don't know if you can see Carmen and Juan. They're the second couple up. And, and they were helping this young couple that just recently was married. And so there they are now investing their lives and their friendship into the lives of others. So let's look at this verse 7 together for us husbands. Live with your wives in an understanding way. Basically, I shortened this to study your wife. I've been married with Diana for 28 years, and it's, it's been an incredible learning process for me. I had mentioned earlier, right? I, I don't want to jump ahead, but study your wife. What is her makeup, her strength, her weaknesses? We've been, we as husbands have been given that opportunity. I believe we can serve our wives with wisdom as we ask God to help us 
to lead our families in James 1.5, asking for wisdom for God, from God to help us. My friends, like I told you in the church, when I came into the church as a believer, I got to see friends, godly men, lead their families, who are to this day still my mentors 30 years later. And they would say to their wives, and I was a young adult, and they would say to their wives, what would you like? Do you want to come with me? And here was the famous one. And I'd never heard this before because I didn't have a, there was no father figure in my life. And they would be in the car driving home saying, calling their wives saying, what would you like for me to bring home? And I'm thinking in my mind, a single guy, why can't the wife get in the car and go to the store and buy it herself? That just shows you a little bit of, you know, my limited experience. But then as I got married and I started applying all these principles, studying my wife, learning how to work with her wisely, God started to show me his heart for my wife. How about another example of studying your wife? Diana is not, in a, not a morning person, and I am. And so that's why I love preaching in the morning. <laughs> and um, I, uh, you know, I love to have breakfast with teams or people or couples or whatever. And I wouldn't, uh, wouldn't want to do an early morning breakfast at 7 in the morning with my wife because she's just not a morning person. We try to do dinners with couples and families in the church, learning how to study our wives. Or how about having church members come the night before you leave on a long trip? They want to visit, and my wife is trying to pack the suitcases. Not wise. Learning how to study our wives. As we study our wives and love them as Christ loves the church, then we can show them honor and respect. This makes us grow in our leadership towards them. Juan mentioned as he grew in loving his wife and respected her for submitting to Christ while he was living in rebellion. Incredible nugget that we learned. Second point here in verse 7, since they are heirs with you of the grace of God, we look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 25, for you were strained like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. 1 Peter 2, 25, Peter describes... Believers as sheep. Sheep are gentle animals. So we husbands are, are to lead gently our wives. This becomes our strength towards them as they see that we care for them. Who's our example once again? The Lord Jesus Christ. He's the shepherd of our souls. Will mentioned the famous verse of Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30 last week. What does, what does Jesus say to us? Us husbands, come unto me, learn of me, be gentle and lowly. My yoke is easy. What an example for us men to follow. The example of Jesus Christ before us. So our prayers are not hindered, verse 7. Simply put, God will not hear us if we do not consider our wives. True, true submission is Godward, and the husband is to submit to God in the marriage. 
This is his design so that we can be example to our children and maybe to people like me who didn't have a father and I came to church and someone mentored me in the faith and I learned how to become a husband through their mentorship. I wasn't their child, but they took me on. Their heart was big enough to receive me and train me and help me grow up in the Lord. And I thank God for them. I thank God for the fathers that weren't my fathers. They weren't my father, but they became a mentor to me like a father. And so I thank God for them. I'd like to have the call up the band, call them up to the stage. As we finish out 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, it implies the fundamental equality of men and women. Paul affirms it in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. Jesus' treatment of women was revolutionary back in the day as he treated the women with dignity and respect. Peter here in this context calls us to submit to Christ in our faith walk, frail as we may be. Allowing God's plan and our individual roles as husband and wives to grow in his grace toward each other in this broken world. It's a God-sized plan with God-sized grace to help us in our roles and in our love for each other as we mature in God's design for the marriage. So I want to Look at Ephesians chapter 4. There goes those notes. Made it to the end. Ephesians chapter 4. Thank you so much. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2 and 3. Appreciate it. Oh, it's all good. Appreciate it. Thank you. Ephesians chapter 4, 2 and 3. What does it say to all of us? With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And look at that final quote from Francis de Sales. Nothing is so strong as gentleness and nothing so gentle as real strength. Amen?